2: Happy Friday, football fans, and welcome into another edition of the Chase Podcast. I'm Isaac Sines, and I thank you for joining me. In today's episode, I will preview Sunday's slate of games and share my predictions for each matchup. The Browns have lost four of their last five road games, but are hoping to use their two game win streak as momentum when they take on the Texans. Baker Mayfield knows they have a stiff challenge against Houston's defense, but express confidence in the way their offense has been playing. Good
3: calls and good execution by uh, our offensive line. Our guys are making plays. You know, they're protecting, getting the ball out quickly, getting in our playmakers chance, and they're doing the rest. So um,
2: yeah. The Patriots rolled a division rival in week 12 and will be looking to secure another victory against a talented Vikings team. While the Patriots have done a nice job of establishing a run game, center David Andrews knows it will be a tall task to move the ball on Minnesota's defense.
3: You know, they're, they're very good. You know, I think they got a great defensive front. Um, uh, you know, they do a lot of things well. They, you know, got to the passer a lot last night, and, uh, you know, so that's definitely going to be a big challenge. You know, they got experienced, you know, very good players on the D-line, and, uh, so it's going to be a big challenge.
2: The Chargers have established themselves as one of the top contenders in the AFC and plan to notch a statement win over the Steelers in prime time. At 8-3, head coach Anthony Lynn knows there is plenty of football left, but believes he has the team to achieve something special. I think mean,
0: just look at the character of our football team, Yeah, we have good guys and uh, that's what I like about this group. You know, uh, I, I say it all the time, you know, great players don't win championships, great teams do. And I think we have an opportunity to have a great team
2: here. I will discuss all that and more coming up in the latest episode of The Chase Podcast. The Fall is another production of The Chase Podcast. Covering the latest news and analysis for Rams. Turn the volume up. The chase is on, and the chase is live. Now let's say "ring Isaac, down. It is Friday, November thirtieth, on the Chase Podcast. Isaac signs with you here to chat some more NFL football. Good news is that I'm finally getting my voice back after several days. I was trying to work through it in Monday and Wednesday's podcast. However, I'm feeling much better, so fired up to break down some more matchups on Sunday. Week number 13 is upon us. Can you believe it? This NFL season continues to roll on, and while part of me I'm kind of bummed out that this NFL season is flying by. I am excited for the playoff race to heat up with many teams still in the hunt, so these last couple weeks of the season will be critical for many different teams that are looking to make their statement as Super Bowl contenders. Now, every Friday of You're a new listener to the Chase Podcast. I break down three different matchups and go into some in-depth analysis. And then I'll close out the show by giving my score predictions for the rest of Sunday's slate. So without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and get going here with the first matchup that I want to talk about. And it's the 4-6-1 matchup. Cleveland Browns against the 8-3 Houston Texans. This is a 1 p.m. Eastern time kickoff in a game that, in fact, I will be in attendance for, so I'm looking forward to watching Baker Mayfield and the Browns take on the surging Houston Texans. I'll bring some live coverage on my Instagram story from that game, so keep an eye out for that. Now, the Browns and Texans, they're gonna meet at NRG Stadium, and the Browns, they're gonna look for another victory to build off their impressive two-game win streak. They just completely demolished the Cincinnati Bengals last week. Now, of course, the score line looked a whole lot closer than what the game really was. Andy Dalton goes down with an injury, and Baker Mayfield, boy, he's starting to show out the type of signal caller and potential he has as a professional quarterback under offensive coordinator Freddie Kitchens now, one concern for Cleveland is that they have lost four of their last five road games, so you know they're going to be looking to turn the tide and win a second game on the road Now they did play Cincinnati last week, same state, so even Mayfield said it. they had plenty of their fans in attendance, however. That will not be the case here in the Lone Star State. While there may be Baker Mayfield fans with Oklahoma close by, they will be facing a difficult crowd there in Houston. And for the Texans, this is a team that's looking to build on their eight-game winning streak while chasing that top seed in the AFC. They've won four straight home games. Sean Watson is completing 66% of his passes, 20 touchdowns. 9 interceptions. He also has 2 or more touchdown passes in 11 of his last 16 games. He is playing at a high level. And so I want to talk about some key matchups that I'm going to be looking for in this game. First one being... The Browns pass rushers against the Texans offensive tackles. Miles Garrett, Emmanuel Ogba against Kendall Lamb and Julian Davenport of the Texans. Now Davenport, if you watched last Monday night's game between Houston and Tennessee, You saw that Davenport has kind of been the weak link, so to speak, for this Texans offensive line. He's the most penalized offensive tackle in the NFL this season, and that all comes with him being a younger player, still trying to pick up the intricacies, the tendencies of defensive players. So you ought to believe that Greg Williams is going to have his defensive line ready to pin their ears back and come after Deshaun Watson. Now, Garrett and Ogba, that pass rushing tandem, they've only combined for 12 sacks this season. Now, of course, 10 of those have come from Miles Garrett, an ascending superstar Pro Bowl caliber defensive van. and Ogba's had kind of an underwhelming season this far, just two sacks to his name. Now, he has dealt with injuries, and he's been up and down. So, he hasn't been as effective as he, I'm sure he'd like to be. However, he is still a force with the power he plays with at the line of scrimmage. And this matchup, or these matchups I should say, they favor the Cleveland Browns considering how inconsistent the Texans offensive tackles have played this season. Now we always talk about the importance of pressuring Deshaun Watson because this guy can make plays happen with his scrambling ability. And if you let him outside of the pocket, it will not turn out well for you because he will either take it himself and run for 10, 15 yards in a first down or he'll complete a pass across the field for a big chunk play against your defense. So one thing that the Browns must do is find some pass rush from both of these defensive ends to get after Deshaun Watson in hopes of just containing him because you're not going to stop him the way he's playing. But Miles Garrett, he's got to be licking his chops at this matchup. The Titans really weren't able to take full advantage of the matchup against Lamb and Davenport and Watson made him pay. So now Cleveland is going to have their crack at getting after The Texans in that category. The second match I want to talk about here is Denzel Ward against DeAndre Hopkins. Hopkins right now, he's currently 7th in the NFL in receiving yards with 1,024 to go along with 73 receptions and 8 touchdowns. Now one thing to note here with Hopkins is while yes, he's a big physical wideout and many people just really believe he is a red zone threat, But this guy can do it all because his ability to create separation at the line of scrimmage along with his crisp route running, he has 16 receptions of 20 or more yards this season. That just shows you that Deshaun Watson certainly looks for Hopkins down the field pretty frequently and he's a handful to deal with out in space. Now Denzel Ward, the number four overall pick of the Browns this year, he's been tasked with shadowing number one wideouts this season and has done a nice job. He has 46 tackles, three interceptions, 11 pass defenses, two fumble recoveries, a forced fumble, but in this matchup he does give up some size against the bigger DeAndre Hopkins and While Greg Williams may use Ward on Hopkins in most packages, he could use other players such as Terrence Mitchell up on Hopkins as well, who they designated to return a couple of weeks ago. But I'm just going to say this. I think when Ward and Hopkins are one-on-one on an island, don't be surprised to see Watson look his way any chance he gets because if you're Watson... You got to like Hopkins' chances to come down with those 50-50 balls going up against a rookie. Now, of course, I'm not discounting Ward's ball skills because this guy has some intangibles that many rookie corners do not possess. He's a talented player who's also not afraid to get physical with receivers at the line of scrimmage. And he also has that track speed to hang with any wideout he faces. Although Hopkins, that's not his bread and butter being a blazer down the field. But these two should be going head-to-head pretty often on Sunday. And here's another one. The Browns' rushing attack against the Texans' front seven. Much of the Browns' recent success has stemmed from... What they've been able to do on the ground with Nick Chubb and their ninth ranked run game. They're averaging 129 yards per contest and Nick Chubb, the rookie, he leads the way with 663 yards and six touchdowns the switch has been flipped on for chubb the rookie out of georgia once cleveland traded carlos hyde he has taken over in that backfield along with duke johnson those two have combined to be a formidable duo for the browns and it's helped baker mayfield bring some balance to this offense to where Mayfield isn't having to throw the ball 30 to 40 times a game because he has a bell cow reliable running back in Chubb that can grind out those three to four yard runs. However, Going up against Houston's 7th ranked rush defense is going to be another challenge and bump in the road for a young developing Browns offense. J.J. Watt, Jadavion Clowney, Christian Covington, and then those two linebackers that got Bernardrick McKinney, Cunningham. They're limiting rushing attacks to just 97 yards per game to go along with the 3.8 yards per carry average. So this is a game where J.C. Treader, Joel Batonio, and Kevin Zeitler, they must get push up front against a beefed up interior that the Texans possess along with DJ Reader. So if the Browns cannot establish that run game, which has really been pivotal to why they've been able to get that offense humming, then this Houston defense will collapse them, will get after Baker Mayfield, and it's going to be another tough Outing for a Browns team that has looked promising the last couple of weeks. And the last matchup here that I'll be looking at is JJ Watt against. Chris Hubbard, the right tackle for the Cleveland Browns. The Browns paid Hubbard a nice contract in free agency to poach him from Pittsburgh, but he has not lived up to expectations. Now Cleveland, you have to be smart and at least have a tight end or a running back to chip J.J. Watt at all circumstances and at all costs, because if you do not, Watt will wreck your offensive game plan. He has 11 and a half sacks this season. He had one and a half sacks, two quarterback hits, and a forced fumble against Tennessee a week ago. And that was up against Jack Conklin, the young, talented tackle. And Hubbard, he has his work cut out for him because if he cannot handle JJ Watt off that edge, Baker Mayfield is going to be running for his life the entire game. This is a big lockdown matchup for the Cleveland Browns and Greg Williams of squad. So look for these guys to really pay extra attention to Watt. But they also cannot forget what Clowney and Whitney Merciless bring to the table. In the end, when I talk about this matchup, the Houston Texans clearly have the advantage. They're at home. They play like a different team when they're at NRG. I feel like they'll be able to get Lamar Miller going again. This rushing attack has come to life. Deshaun Watsons playing... On another level, and this defense, I think, will be able to put the clamps on Baker Mayfield for the most part. Don't be surprised if they use Justin Reed, that talented rookie safety, or Tyran Matthew to spy on Mayfield at all times, just because he does tend to tuck the ball in and run and be a threat in that regard as well. While I do like the Browns' chances to have some success, I feel like this Houston defense, Romeo Cronell will dial up an aggressive game plan to keep this evolving Browns offense in check. And in result, it leads to a 29-20 victory for the Houston Texans as they win their ninth consecutive game and continue to pursue the top seed in the AFC. Now the next matchup I want to talk about is the 6-4-1 Minnesota Vikings at the 8-3 New England Patriots. This is a 4-25 p.m. Eastern time game. Another good one on the docket here on Sunday. This is a big game for both sides. Minnesota, they're looking to find some consistent play after alternating wins and losses in each of their last five games, including a 24-17 win over Green Bay in their last outing in prime time. Kirk Cousins has had himself a pretty solid year. Now, of course, some would believe he's underachieving considering that whopping three-year fully guaranteed contract he got from Minnesota in the offseason he's got a nice touchdown to interception ratio 22 touchdowns seven interceptions and as for this New England Patriots team they're looking to build some steam themselves after winning 27 13 over their division rival, the New York Jets, Tom Brady, the ageless wonder, who, yes, hasn't looked like himself, but can you really blame the guy? This guy is aging by the minute. This Patriots squad is still lethal with all the talent they have, all the dynamic weapons. And so this game right here could go a long way as to which team in their respective conference ends up, one, getting into the playoffs, which is something the Vikings still are worrying about, or B, winning that number one seed and home field advantage, which is what New England is desperately seeking. And so here's some storylines to monitor in this matchup. For one, few teams... Succeed in beating Brady at Gillette Field in December. While winning in the NFL is hard as it is, as each week comes and goes, knocking off Brady and Belichick in his home stadium or in their home stadium in December is probably the most difficult task. In fact, it's only been done four times in 36 attempts. Brady is 32 and 4 at home in December including 5 and 0 the past two seasons the last time brady lost the home game in December it was week 13 of the 2015 season to the Philadelphia Eagles on December 6th so there you have it the Vikings Kirk Cousins Mike Zimmer they're going to try to turn the tide and do something that many NFL teams have been unable to do here's another storyline Both teams have prolific passing attacks, but with contrasting methods, they go about it in different ways. As you look at Minnesota, they have the 7th ranked passing offense, they're averaging 282 yards per game, and most of their production through the air goes through Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen, who are among the NFL's most targeted receivers Thielen ranks number two in targets with 124 and Diggs ranks tied for number five with 114. And incredibly, Cousins has connected with his star tandem on 172 of those targets for 1,928 yards and 14 touchdowns. So that's a 72.2 completion percentage when going at Diggs and Thielen. Thielen needs seven receptions and two touchdowns, and Diggs needs 20 run receptions and four touchdowns for their wide receiver duo to become the first to each reach the 100-catch and 10-touchdown threshold in the same season. So that just speaks volumes to the type of impact they are to this Minnesota offense. Now, they'll be matched up against DeFawn Gilmore. Now, I'm interested to see who Gilmore will line up against, whether that's Thielen or Diggs. I'm sure McCordy will get his crack as well. So the Patriots secondary, who, yes, they've struggled, they're going to have their hands full trying to contain this passing attack. And as for the Patriots, they rank 11th in pass offense, averaging 270 yards per game. And the method McDaniels uses, it's more scattered throughout the offense, which in a sense, makes it more difficult for defenses because you never know which wideout is going to be featured on a given Sunday. It's a more spread out approach. The most targeted pass catcher for the Patriots is actually a running back. It's James White. He has 94 targets on the season. And the next targeted receiver is Julian Edelman, who has 61. And mind you... He was suspended for the first four games of the year because of a PED violation. So you know Tom Brady loves to go to Edelman because of that chemistry they've developed over the course of many seasons together. Both approaches have worked well, and both approaches will be employed on Sunday, which means each team's defense is going to have a different type of challenge in the past game. Josh Gordon, you know, they acquired him. This guy has been turning it on a little bit more, and Brady has told the media that, hey, They're both getting more comfortable with each other. They have a better idea of how they operate running routes out in space. And then Rob Gronkowski. This is a matchup that I'm looking forward to seeing. Gronkowski, a lot has been said about how his production has dipped. He's been dealing with back and ankle injuries all season long. He missed the last several games, but he returned to action against the New York Jets and ended up catching a 30 or 40 yard touchdown down the seam in between two defenders, looking like the Gronkowski of old. And in this game, Minnesota, I'd imagine they turned to Harrison Smith or Georgia Loka to shadow Rob Gronkowski. At all times. Now they do have the linebackers to match up with them in short down and distances with Eric Kendricks, who's been really good in pass coverage. However, because Gronkowski can work down the field at such an exceptional level, Harrison Smith, who usually plays close to the line of scrimmage and run support, may have his game plan dialed back a bit to shadow number 87. That's going to be a fun one to watch. And then you look at Minnesota's pass rush. Danielle Hunter, Everson Griffin, Linval Joseph, Anthony Barr off the edge. This is a stout Patriots offensive line that has dealt with their share of injuries. Trent Brown's been in and out. Shaq Mason has been in and out of the lineup. All of those Players should be available to play on Sunday. And then you look at the stellar play of their center, David Andrews, and he's going to have to handle his own going up against that tough interior of Minnesota's defensive line. And if I'm the Patriots, I'm concerned because Tom Brady, you know, does not like to be touched in the pocket. In fact, he'll eat the ball and take a sack before he even gets touched But Minnesota, they're an aggressive unit. They've been all out of sorts this season, but they still do rank number three in total defense. So you know Zimmer is going to be aggressive coming after Tom Brady, trying to make him feel the heat every chance they can get it when he drops back. But when you do that, you have to understand that you're dealing with an offensive guru in McDaniels and I'm expecting this Patriots offense to use this quick passing game to get the ball out of Brady's hands quickly into the hands of Edelman, Chris Hogan, Josh Gordon. And I think in the end, while Minnesota's going to have some success getting after Brady, creating some havoc, slowing down this rushing attack, who, by the way, Rex Burkhead should be active along with Sony Michelle, I feel like the adjustments that McDaniels and Belichick will make, it's going to be enough to get this Patriots team a big victory. And of course, I'm taking into account that they are playing at home. And for those reasons, I like the Patriots' chances to win this game. I'm going to give them a slight, tight win over the Vikings. 26-23, Steven Gostakowski nets a game-winning field goal to get the Patriots to nine and three and a step closer to one of those top seeds in the AFC, while the Vikings drop to six five and one as their roller coaster season continues on. Now, the last matchup that I'm going to talk about is the eight and three Los Angeles Chargers at the seven three and one Pittsburgh Steelers. This is the nightcap. Originally, the 49ers and Seahawks they were. The slotted game, but as we know, San Francisco, they're having it down here with all those injuries. So it was pretty much a no-brainer for the NFL to shift this Chargers Steelers game to prime time for NBC. Pittsburgh, they lead the AFC North while the Chargers are second in the AFC West and ahead in the wild card chase. However, let's not forget that this Chargers team is only a game back of the kansas city chiefs so do not rule them out from winning the division now when it comes to this series the steelers have dominated leading it 23 to 9 which includes three playoff meetings between the two squads the last time they played was back in october of 2015 which was a 24 to 20 pittsburgh home victory on a monday night when the Chargers still called San Diego their home. Phillip Rivers has just beaten Roethlisberger twice in his NFL career. So you know when they go to Pittsburgh. That'll be a big goal of Rivers and this Chargers team to knock off one of the better teams in the NFL Yes, they lost to the Denver Broncos, but it's still going to be a showdown of two playoff teams that are coming into this week under very different circumstances. The Chargers are going to be without Melvin Gordon with that MCL sprain, and the Steelers, you know, they've been riding James Conner all season long. So there's going to be plenty of different storylines to discuss in this game. Routesberger, he's aiming for his fourth straight game with 300-plus passing yards. He currently ranks second in the NFL with 3,664 pass yards and is one of two NFL players. The other player is Matt Ryan with... 3,500 pass yards in each of the past six seasons, so Big Ben is having himself a year, and then Phillip Rivers is as well. He went 28 of 29 last week, zero interceptions, three touchdowns, so a fantastic quarterback matchup. Cannot wait to watch it. Now, here's a couple of matchups in this game that I'm going to be watching First one being Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster against the cornerback tandem of Casey Hayward and Desmond King of the Chargers. Now, Brown, he hasn't had as productive of a season this year as he ranks 14th in receiving yards with 874. He has 71 receptions, but here's where he's made up ground and it's in the touchdown category. He has 11 of them this season as Big Ben has been able to connect with number 84 in the end zone on a nice, consistent basis. And as for Smith-Schuster, this is a young wideout that, in fact, has more receiving yards than his counterpart. He already has eclipsed 1,000 yards. He's got 1,055, but he does have a fewer touchdown number with four. And as for the corners for the Chargers... Based on metrics and stats, I think an argument can be made that Hayward is one of the best corners in football as he's been consistent in locking down number one wide receivers. This season, Hayward has 33 tackles and six pass defenses, and then his other corner that has had a great breakout season, Desmond King. This guy has been a force for this Chargers defense, and Gus Bradley He's come on strong, three interceptions, one return for a touchdown, and seven pass defenses. So my guess would be that Hayward would be up on Antonio Brown and Smith-Schuster would draw Desmond King. Now there's one knack about King is his foot speed. He doesn't have the fastest 40, which is why he slipped in the NFL draft, and boy, the Chargers are ecstatic that that happened because they have themselves a future All-Pro corner, but where Smith, Schuster, and Brown both thrive is in that breakaway speed at the line of scrimmage. You see a lot of big chunk plays from these two wideouts, and speed is an issue for King and Hayward, so... That's where Pittsburgh has the advantage. But other than that, this should be a good matchup at the line of scrimmage. Look for some aggressive play. Maybe Bradley will bring King and Hayward off the line of scrimmage a little bit just to avoid those home run hitting plays from Big Ben. Because you know when Pittsburgh can score on quick strikes, it's never a good implication for your chance to win on the road in the Steel City. Now, the next matchups that I want to be keeping close tabs on is Alejandro Villanueva and Marcus Gilbert, the offensive tackles against Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram. These matchups will be crucial for the outcome of this game. Ingram, he has five and a half sacks this season, but you also have to remember Joey Bosa has been out for the first 10-11 weeks of this season. And in Bosa's absence, Ingram took a lot of double teams. So he was clearly the main focus for opposing offenses to wipe out of the game plan. But now he's got his partner in crime back in action, Bosa, who dealt with that foot injury. He had two sacks in Week 12 against Arizona. You could tell He's getting closer to 100%. He's a full go. And these matchups on the outside, they are going to be the best offensive line versus defensive line. Battle in the trenches, I believe. We're going to see this weekend. Because you're looking at two of the best tackles in the game and two of the best edge rushers in the game. Going toe-to-toe. And as you know, Getting after Ralph Lisberger is a big objective for defenses, and this guy is strong as an ox in the pocket, so you can get to him, and it's a whole nother thing to bring him down. But these two edge rushers in Bosa and Ingram, they certainly have the knack for getting after quarterbacks. They possess a rare combination of speed, size, and quickness off the line of scrimmage. So look for those two players to alter Roethlisberger and this Steelers pass game. So, boy, am I excited to see those four go at it. And the last one here for you, the matchup, is the Chargers rushing attack against the Steelers front seven. As I mentioned, no Melvin Gordon on Sunday, which means Austin Eckler will be in line to carry the load the Chargers, they interplay with the 8th-ranked rushing attack. And they're going to go toe-to-toe against the Steelers' ninth ranked rush defense that has Cam Hayward, Stephon Tuitt, Vince Williams there at inside linebacker. And then, of course, Pittsburgh has their pass-rushing duo with TJ Watt and Bud Dupree who have been outstanding this season for Pittsburgh's defense. And my question is, is without Gordon in the lineup... Are they going to turn to more of a passing approach with Eckler, who's been very good? In fact, I think Eckler, an argument can be made that he's one of the better route runners on this Chargers team. This guy knows how to get open in the flats. He can take a pass for 10 yards and turn up the field. This guy, he's a dynamic playmaker with the ball in his hand, so... The Steelers cannot discount what he can bring to the table just because Gordon will not be in the lineup. I don't think that's really going to affect the way Pittsburgh plays the Chargers on Sunday. But Phillip Rivers, as long as he's standing upright with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and the old faithful Antonio Gates... This offense is still very dangerous in the way they can carve up opposing defenses. So look for Eckler to still get some carries. Maybe they're going to have some other backs get in on some action. But this battle in the trenches, another for the other team with Pouncey at center with Dan Feeney there. It's going to be another dandy because if the Chargers struggle getting this rushing attack, that may allow Pittsburgh to play another player in the secondary in hopes of stopping Phillip Rivers in his hot streak. It's going to be a chess match for both of these teams to figure out how they're going to slow down each other. And I think we have a shootout on our hands. And when it comes to who I'm going to roll with in this primetime matchup, I'm going to take the Steelers to win it, 31-27. I know I talked about Eckler and how he's been solid this year, but Melvin Gordon and him not being able to play, I think is going to be a factor in this one. On top of Pittsburgh playing in front of their home fans, you know it's going to be a hostile environment. The Chargers are going to be playing in colder conditions. They're an L.A. team. They're used to playing in warmer weather. That, I think, is going to be a factor in this game as well. I like Roethlisberger. He's coming off a tough game where he had some bonehead turnovers. But James Conner, who they've really limited his workload, trying to keep him fresh. Look for another big game from him in both the run and pass. And I think in the end, it's going to be these receivers for Pittsburgh that are going to have to battle it out. But I think this speed that I talk about is going to pay dividends where they score on a big home run hitting play in the fourth quarter to take home a 31-27 victory over the Los Angeles Chargers in what should be a thrilling game. Now I'm going to run through the rest of the games on Sunday and give you my prediction. First one here, the Baltimore Ravens at the Atlanta Falcons. Lamar Jackson is slated to make his third consecutive start. I like Baltimore to win this one 24-20. It's always a sneaky play when you play the Falcons at home because of this offense, but Baltimore's defense, they still rank in the top five. I like their chances to slow down Julio Jones and company. Carolina at Tampa Bay. I'm going to take Carolina in a shootout against Jameis Winston. 34-30 to should be a big-time offensive outing for both sides. Chicago at the Giants. Give me the Bears 20-10. to All signs look like it'll be Chase Daniel again. I'm still going to pick the Bears because I think this defense will be able to have its way against an underperforming Giants offensive line. Buffalo at Miami, and AFC East division clash. Give me the Dolphins. I think they rebound from that big-time loss at Indianapolis, 23-16 over Josh Allen and the Bills. Colts at the Jaguars. The Colts have won five straight games. I think they keep the wheels churning in Florida. It'll be Cody Kessler under center for the Jaguars as they had a shakeup firing their offensive coordinator I select them to get it done 26 to 13 plus Ramsey may not be playing Denver at Cincinnati give me the Broncos they've won back to back games over formidable opponents they play a banged up Bengals squad that's playing with Jeff Driscoll no more Andy Dalton I think Keenum keeps the train chugging along they win it 28-17 Rams at Lions. Give me the Rams. 31-21 over Matthew Stafford in the Motor City. This is a game where Aqib Talib could be making his return to the lineup. That's a big factor for them. They win another one. Arizona at Green Bay. A big one for the Packers. They need a win to stay alive. They'd get it done. 24-10. Kansas City at Oakland. Give me the Chiefs. Big, The Raiders, not much going for them. I think they shred them up, and it would not surprise me if Mahomes and the starting offense are off the field in the fourth quarter. Jets at the Titans. I like the Titans to come back and win a blowout affair over the Jets. 30-13. I think Vrabel will have his team ready to play. And the last game, the 49ers at the Seahawks. Give me the Seahawks to win 27-17. to 17. They have momentum on their side. Russell Wilson, this guy is dynamic. I like their chances to get to 7-5 and five and keep their playoff chances alive in the NFC. Well, there you have it. Week 13, a preview of Sunday's games. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in to another episode of The Chase Podcast. I will be back here on Monday for a Monday night preview of the Washington Redskins and the Philadelphia Eagles, as well as my high flyer, top denier, and under fire. Looking forward to it. Until then, have a blessed weekend
3: and take care. You know how to book flights and hotels.